Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Special welcome to those of you joining us online. It is great to have you, whether it's still beyond Easter or any time after that, great to have you join in. I want to start off today with some profound thoughts, aka terrible, terrible jokes. Uh, the first one sounds a little bit like this. What do you call a group of rabbits shoulder to shoulder walking backwards? A receding hairline. What do you get when you cross a rabbit with a shellfish? An oyster bunny. This one, okay, this one legitimately makes me laugh, but I, I guess I'm really bad at the execution of it. Okay, I saw uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, actually, the other day. He was eating a chocolate egg, and I said, oh, I bet I know what your favorite Christian festival is. And he said, have to love Easter, baby. Hasta <laughs> la vista, baby. That's so good. That's so good. Works on so many levels. I'm getting booed, so let's go to God in prayer. <clears throat> Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today, for this Easter, where we can come together and celebrate a victorious, risen Lord. Lord, I thank you for the chance to share your message, and Lord, I pray that it is your message. I pray that you would move me out of the way, that you would speak in this place. As I submit myself to your Holy Spirit, I pray who all, that all who hear this would be willing to do the same, that your Spirit would speak in powerful ways. Lord, we trust in you, and we ask that your presence be known in this place. In your name we pray, amen. You know, it's an interesting thing about Easter sermons. It's a lot easier to write a Christmas sermon. And I found myself kind of wondering why that is. Why are there more like angles you can kind of approach with, with Christmas? I think part of it is Christmas just has better symbolism, you know, with the, the Christmas tree and you have the bells and the holly and all that kind of stuff. Uh, with Easter, it's like, we got a rabbit. And some eggs with the lamb. The lamb's good. That's a good one. Uh, an empty tomb, but like empty. How do you show like just the stone rolled away? And then even like the characters are better at Christmas time, right? You have the shepherds. You have the wise men, the angels. You even, you know, have the, the star is kind of a, a character. But for Easter, like two days ago, I played Satan. Like you don't see that at the kids' Christmas pageant, Right? Well, at least not in one that I've been to. Let me know. That'd be really fascinating. Um, but, but like Easter kind of, it has its own vibe, its own thing. The world's really behind Christmas, but, but Easter's a little bit different. And I, I found myself wondering why, because it's important to recognize that Easter is the most crucial holiday of all of them when it comes to the Christian calendar. Like without Easter, Christmas is just somebody's birthday, Right? Without Easter, we kind of are, what are we doing here? And so it's so important, but I think there is something to this, okay? How many of you have read the book, Great Expectations, show of hands, by Charles Dickens, right? It's a classic, right? And I got to tell you, when I started reading that book, I had some great expectations that it would be a decent book, and I was let down. It's a terrible book. If you like Charles Dickens and Great Expectations, we already had Confession. We'll have to have another one for you because it's just, it's an awful book. But the title of Great Expectations kind of stuck with me in my head as I was working on this sermon. It just kind of kept coming back to me. And I realized that's part of the, the thing when it comes to Christmas versus Easter. It's a lot easier to get behind Christmas because the idea of a God entering into our world 
to be among his people, it makes sense. We expect it, right? We see this in superhero movies. We see this in other religions. But Easter, we don't expect a God to willingly die and then come back to life. So there's a certain expectation that that changes. The world is kind of like, I don't know about that. In addition to that, when you look at this idea of great expectations, the people of Jesus' times had great expectations for who Jesus was, for what he was going to do. And at Easter, some of those were shaken to the very core. See, there was this guy, Jesus, from Nazareth, who was 30 years old and suddenly burst onto the scene. Like, there was talk of, like, when he was a kid, he was a good teacher. But other than that, nobody knew much about him. Well, next thing you know, he's walking along, and, and he's getting these followers, and he's doing these incredible things. Uh, the wedding at Cana, he, he turned water into wine. He was multiplying fish and loaves. He, he was doing all these. He was healing people left and right. It seemed like every city that he went into, he turned a funeral into a festival, right? As people who were about to die or were even dead, see Lazarus, were suddenly back, alive again. And so there were these festivals, these excitements, and people were getting so excited for this Jesus of Nazareth. And the Israelites were like, he's one of us. He's coming to solve all of our problems. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth, he's going to come, and he's going to, to be our king. He's finally going to free us from the situations that we're in, from the struggling that we've been going through for so long. He's going to be a military leader. He's going he's to lead a coup. He's going to be a, a rebel and we're going to follow behind him, and he's going to solve our problems. See, the issue is they were thinking about their problems right then. They were saying, Jesus, you've come along. You're great. We love what you're doing. We need you to fix things right now. But Jesus said, basically, no, I'm here to fix the not yet. I know you want me to fix your problems right now, but I am here to fix the not yet. Let me explain what that means. Imagine um, you're eating, and you call the waiter over, and you're like, excuse me, uh, this food's kind of cold and you complain about your food, but you're sitting on the Titanic and you know, like, yes, this is a problem that you're dealing with, but there's a much bigger problem coming, right? That's kind of the issue. And that's the not yet that Jesus is looking at. He's saying, yeah, you guys are concerned about these worldly earthly issues. You're concerned about, you know, where, who your leader is. You're concerned about how things are going to happen. You're concerned about that you don't have the right political force behind you, but one day you're going to die. And what then? You have to worry about the not yet. And and we can sit back here 2,000 years later and kind of laugh at the zealots and scoff at them and say, they had Jesus in their midst and they didn't understand. But we're no different. We get caught up on the the right now problems. right? I I can tell you as a pastor, I have people all the time like, I prayed and my prayer wasn't answered. I asked God to heal my grandma and it didn't work. I asked God for more money and it didn't work. I asked God to see me through the situation and it didn't work. And I'm getting so upset about it. We're focused on the right now. And let's be clear. Let's be clear. There are real significant problems right now. We have every reason to want for those to be solved. Whether it be the cost of living increasing, you're laying in bed trying to balance paychecks and saying, okay, how can we make this work? Or maybe, hey, tomorrow's tax day, and you're afraid that that bill is going to come back a little bit higher, right? Or maybe you're just looking at the world and the anger and the unrest. You're looking in Ukraine, and you're looking at all these things are going on, and you're saying, God, I need you to fix this right now. Where are you, God? God? 
And we act like the people of the triumphal entry. Those of us who go to church on Sundays, we sit there and we wave our proverbial palm branches. We praise God and we say, God, Hosanna, I recognize you as my king, but also what I'm crying out is save me, save us, fix this problem right now. We have this expectation of God. Maybe you're not the triumphal entry people. Maybe you're Peter. Maybe you're Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane as he saw, as Jesus was about to be arrested and he pulled the sword and he was like, I'm ready to fight for you, Jesus. And maybe you're that person and you're looking to, to, to create theological arguments online and, and push your faith in people's face. You're, you're looking to defend God's way and you're, you're getting madder and madder and you're saying, God, don't you see that the world is overtaking you? Don't you see that people are losing to you? Don't you see that, that Christmas is something that everybody celebrates, but somehow nobody recognizes this about Jesus? God doesn't, why won't you do anything about this? Or, or maybe you're the followers of Jesus on Saturday, who they've been following him for years, faithfully trusting in him, but then they just saw him die in a very unceremonious way. And they saw him put behind a tomb and sealed with a rock. And they were thinking, my hope is gone. Maybe you're somebody that you had faith at one point. You, you believed in all this, but now, now you just don't think you can bring yourself to do it. Maybe you're the disciples on Easter Sunday. As these women came and they're like, hey, we have seen with our own two eyes the risen Lord. And what does it say? It says that they didn't believe, that they saw this as an idle tale. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, you know what? Mom made me come. Grandma made me come today. It's Easter. I had to put on a button-up shirt. And you're thinking this whole thing is just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. First of all, to you, welcome. It's nice to have you. I don't normally get to talk to you. And I could right now go into like the historical argument for Jesus, talk about how, how there are all these non-Christian writings about this man named Jesus of Nazareth, that every historian worth their salt, that every religion, for that matter, recognizes that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who lived in that, in that time period. I could also point out that, that the Gospels were all written within a single lifetime, of the people who experienced them. So there were eyewitnesses still alive as those gospels went into wide circulation and they were talking about some pretty incredible things that happened among pretty large crowds. And we would have seen people saying, hey, hold on, I was there. I, that's not what went down, but we don't see that. I could talk about how people recognize that Jesus was a great teacher and he did incredible things and then he died in a public execution outside of one of the most populated cities in the area and then was alive again and appeared to hundreds of people. And I would challenge you, if you're somebody who thinks this is all mumbo jumbo, look into that, wrestle with that, try and reconcile that. Because don't just kind of push off Christianity as philosophy that you can reject. There's history here as well. But more importantly, the question that I would have, not just for those who think this is all mumbo jumbo, who, who maybe believed and don't believe it, but for everybody, the question is this, what's your expectation? What are you expecting? What are you expecting when it comes to the church, to Christianity, to God? Maybe you thought when you joined at church, when you came and visited, that suddenly you'd be a better person, that those temptations that you dealt with, those addictions would start to fade away, and it seems like they're getting worse and worse. 
Well, let me tell you this. The, the process of being a better person, it's a lifelong journey. It takes an entire lifetime. And some people never reach the end. They, they just continue trying to be better people. Now, our forgiveness is instant. To be forgiven by God, quick as that. But that process that we go through to try and be better people, it takes a lifetime. Maybe, maybe your expectation as you come into church is that you'll be surrounded by better people, right? That you'd be around people who, who would be forgiving and full of grace. Instead, you felt judged. Well, we're all struggling. We all are on that lifelong journey to be better people. And sin manifests in different ways. Maybe it manifests in rebellious behavior and the kind of sinful living that you automatically think of, like the prodigal son, fasting and, and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes sin manifests as judgment. Sometimes sin manifests in thinking that you're better than somebody else. And we're working on it. Maybe your expectation of God is that your life would be easier. That things would be smoother for you if you started trusting in him. But, but Jesus himself says, in this world, you will encounter trouble. We live in a broken world with broken people. How do we expect for things to not be broken? See, the church is a place, it's a hospital for the broken. It's a place where we can come together and recognize, yes, we're broken together. And through Jesus, we are made whole again. Through learning about God, through, through seeing how God inspired this world, how he designed this world, we can grow together. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's still going to be struggles. So maybe you're sitting here thinking, boy, you are really not selling this church thing. It sounds pretty terrible. Why do you do it? Why do you get up on Sunday morning and put on pants? Why do you come here? Why, are you, why Pastor Tyler, have you dedicated your entire life to this? One word. Hope. Because without hope, we have nothing. Faith, hope, and love. Without hope, we have nothing. I recently read about uh, the show Sesame Street, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, Bert and Ernie and Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. Uh, also, as you know, has human characters on it, human actors. One of the first human actors that was on that show, Mr. Hooper, after being on the show for a decade plus, uh, he, the actor died of a heart attack. And the Sesame Street, the directors and producers, they all got together and said, how, how are we going to handle this? Should we just have him move away? Like, how do you? And they're on public television, so they can't really get religious. This is how they handle it. I watched the episode. I, I, I went back. It's on YouTube. Check this out. Big Bird walks in there. Everybody's kind of sitting around, and he's holding all these pictures, and he gets to the end, and he has one of Mr. Hooper. And he says, oh, and I, I want to give this to Mr. Hooper. And one of the other actors says, Big Bird, remember, we, we told you Mr. Hooper died. And Big Bird says, oh, right. I, I guess I forgot. Well, I guess, I guess I'll just give this to him when he gets back. And the, the actor said, no, Big Bird... When people die, they don't come back. And Big Bird looked at him and said, never? No, never. But we remember them. And then it faded to black, and I was like, what? That's a kid's show? What? Oof! What a kick that was. Like, uh, that's how they handled that. Because for us as Christians, we come back. As Christians, we recognize the power of the empty tomb. We recognize that Jesus overcame death. See, here's the thing. Sitting here now, 
You can try and deny the philosophy of the church all day long. You can deny the historicity of it all, but, but you have to ask yourself, what happens when I die? It's a question that we should all wrestle with. I know, a lot of hope on Easter, right? But it's true, because Easter in the end is about death. But more than that, it's about Jesus overcoming death. It's about the fact that, that Jesus lived that perfect life. He showed us what it means to live perfectly. And how did he do it, by the way? How should we be modeling ourselves? With compassion, without judgment. He forgave, he knelt down and forgave people who were caught in sin. He talked to people who nobody else would talk to. He showed compassion. That's what we should be doing as his followers. That's the expectation on us. But then he didn't just stop with living a perfect life. No, then he, he did something that no other religious God would do. He gave himself over to death. And that's tough for us. Because see, as I saw another pastor say uh, on Twitter, he said this, we want the war horse, but Jesus rides a donkey. We want the eagle screeching in victory, but the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. We want the swords, but Jesus takes up the cross. We want the roaring lion, but God comes as a slaughtered lamb. We have a God who, in humility, offered himself as a sacrifice for you. So sitting here today, as you look through your life, as you look through who you are, as you, you look at what you wrestle with, those temptations, those addictions, God knows about them. And yet he still loves you so very much. And nothing is going to take that away. Nothing is going to take that away. Let me say that one more time. Nothing is going to take that away because he knows you, he loves you, and then he was willing to go to the cross for you so that we can be set free. So that we can know while we have our right now problems, oh, there's a whole big not yet yet to come. We know that the right now that we experience pales in comparison to the glory of the not yet that comes in paradise because we are promised everlasting life, not through anything that we do, but through what Jesus Christ did for us. So my friends, sitting here today, what are your expectations? I have some expectations. I expect that God is going to speak to you in a real powerful way. I expect that God is going to show you who he is, maybe through people in your life, maybe through him speaking. God is going to use you to do something amazing. That's my expectation, not because of who you are, not because of who I am, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. And so we celebrate a victorious, risen Lord because the tomb was empty and Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let us celebrate this Easter because we've been set free and we may still deal with our right now, but we know that there is a not yet full of glory, full of love, full of compassion, and free from pain, all through Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.